Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. I'm going to talk about co-parenting with God. Um, That is important no matter what. But it's so much more important when you have a child with a disability, especially a child with a disability that involves behavioral issues and communication issues. It adds levels of difficulty above and beyond anything anybody who hasn't experienced it will understand. (laughs) But I understand because I was there and I learned to co-parent with the Holy Spirit. So my heart today is not to condemn parents um, far from it. I have been there, seen it, done it, but it's to um, give a, a testimony of how God taught me to lean in to the Holy Spirit and to help um, him to encourage my, how to co-parent with him, to invite him into the situation so that I wasn't having to deal with things on my own and not having to do it in the worldly way, but to do it with his help, which means the supernatural comes into play. Another thing that I needed to point out straight up is that as parents with children with issues, we really need to be very careful to value only God's opinion. There are people who will give you the benefit of their opinion, but let me just tell you now, they have not been given the grace to raise your child. You have. So their opinion is irrelevant. Unless you really, really respect them and they know what they're talking about, please, please, please don't feel the need to impress them by disciplining your child or treating your child in such a way that they feel your child needs to be treated. You may get comments like, spare the rod and spoil the child, that child needs some discipline, which what they mean actually is punishment. Um, Or I would know how I would deal with that child, or I know what that child needs, or you you do know what the Bible says about raising up a child in the way he should go. What they're actually meaning is giving them a good smack from here till next week. Um, Don't care. Fear of man brings a snare. Don't care if what you are choosing to do and how you are choosing to respond to your child is not impressing everybody else. The only person you need to impress and care about is God's opinion. And the Holy Spirit is in you. He's putting his desires in your heart. He is co-parenting with you with a view to get out of this, with a view to bring healing into the situation. You're not there to impress or please anybody else. I have a tendency to be a little rude. I'm quite capable and was absolutely able to and did tell people to mind their own business. If I want their opinion, I'll ask for it. You're welcome to be more tactful than that if you wish, but that's one way of making sure they stay away and don't give you the benefit of their opinion again. Because they're, especially in religious places, you'll find grumpy brother so-and-so in the back and bossy sister so-and-so in the front, and they're all very quick to tell you how they would deal with your child and how you should deal with your child. They're not God. And best you just tell them, I've been given grace to raise this child. You haven't. You mind your own business. Or whatever tactful thing you feel led to say. (laughs) So I'm going to start off reading um, Titus 2.4. 
from the Amplified. And here Paul is talking about the older women in the church. And he says, so that they will wisely train the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. The suggestion being here is that it's not necessarily automatic or natural or easy. Bearing in mind that in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, the word tells us what the definition of what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, etc., etc. I'd like to skip to um, verse 7 where it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is not a feeling like, you know, from Hallmark movies, you know, a river of emotion flowing through you that, you know, can come or go. Um, love is often sacrificial and it manifests in actions. So it's really important uh, to remember that. Um, in Galatians 5.16, it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is often misunderstood. Walking in the spirit doesn't mean floating two foot or two inches above the ground and always being, oh, hallelujah. It's every day, get down dirty, real world, walk in the spirit. Nevertheless, we're in the world, but not of it. Therefore, we have a new spirit man inside of us. We walk filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit, walking in our new man, not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, which in the Amplified, some of it goes on to describe it being, here we go, what does it include? Works of the flesh include outbursts of wrath, enmity, strife, anger, ill temper. When it, working with our children, when dealing with our children, if any of those things are manifesting, we are not walking in the spirit, which means we are now cooperating with the enemy and closing the door to divine intervention. I know it was a shock when I found out. and uh, But it is the truth. <laughs> and it goes on to say then what the fruits of the spirit are, which are love, joy, peace, long suffering. Don't you just love the word? Long suffering kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Tell you what, when you're parenting children, you need to live from your spirit man. You need to live by faith because you're going to need all the faith you can get, especially if your children have behavioral issues, which even the healthiest and perfectest normalist children have behavioral issues. But children with autism and, and issues that affect their neuro neurological development and with sensory issues, they're going to have a lot more behavioral issues. And the thing that most people don't understand is that these behavioral issues aren't naughty, or bad, these are a sign of distress more often than not. This is a sign that that child is not coping with the sensory input or that child is feeling misunderstood or frustrated or that there are sensory issues, too much input. And the child is now manifesting that in their behaviors. 
People who don't love and understand the child will see it as bad behavior, as are the parents who do love and understand the child and have this Holy Spirit and the grace to parent the child will be much more perceptive to be able to deal with that behavior with not punishing the child, but take that child out of that environment that is distressing them and deal with whatever it is is at the root cause of those behaviors as opposed to try and punish the child, which is just cruel under the circumstances. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So this is me encouraging you. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in parenting in God's style, in daring to hope, in daring to walk in the spirit in daring to do it differently to the world and differently possibly to the way your family or your church think is right. Don't grow weary in doing good, in co-parenting with God, because in due season you will reap. We're all going to reap. We're always sowing and we're all going to get a harvest. But what we're wanting to reap is the rewards of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We're wanting to walk in the spirit. We're wanting to have the doors opened in the spirit realm to divine intervention so that the supernatural is manifesting in our children's lives and behaviors so that they can grow into perfect healing. Luke 18.1 then he spoke a, a parable to them saying, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. So that's just another thing. Stay prayerful. Always. <laughs> if you're losing heart, the solution is to always pray. Um, we have the Holy Spirit. And in the Amplified, he's described as our helper, our comforter, our advocate, our intercessor. He's always interceding for us. Our counselor our strengthener, our standby. And guess where he is? He's inside of us and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. We do not need to always be asking other people's opinions. We don't need to ask the therapist. We don't need to ask the pastor. We don't need to listen to sister, know it all. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the counselor, the intercessor. And... Um, we really need to revere and respect God and his word and his Holy Spirit enough to dispense with what man can um, offer unless it lines up with what God is saying and offering in his word. What comes to mind when a person is described as disciplined? Instinctively, I think about structured um, healthy habits of eating and exercising, good time management, uh, organized. The word discipline comes from the same word as disciple. It means to disciple. It doesn't mean to punish. <laughs> a disciple originally meant a pupil or an apprentice. You see, Jesus had his disciples he was their teacher. They called him rabbi, teacher. And he was discipling them. Um, he was teaching them. They were watching him and he was showing them by his behavior 
how to be, how to, he was teaching them by actually, they were imitating him, by imitating his behavior. A pupil who looks to imitate and learn from their teacher in a close relationship based on love and trust, that is a disciple. The disciple learns from observing, imitating their master, their teacher, and in this case, the parent. Our children are our disciples. We've often heard that children will do what they see. They will learn from imitation. They will learn from their parents' behaviors, not from what their parents are saying or trying to verbally teach them or impose on them in a domineering, dominating, oppressive way. We are to teach our children by modeling correct behavior to them within a close relationship based on trust and love. Now, the trust and the love is the first rule of discipline. You've got to have a relationship with your child. There's got to be an understanding. Um, as far as I'm concerned, no relationship, no discipline. Corporal punishment outside of a close, loving relationship based on love and trust is just abuse. Just saying. Uh, when James was three, four-ish, he went through a stage of being very oppositional. And um, it was something that happens with, with children with autism. Tim was very eager to please. James was very oppositional. And during this time, if he thought something would annoy or upset you, he would do it. If you asked him to do something, he would do the opposite. Um, and this was, as you can imagine, very challenging. So, yes, I do understand behavioral issues. I, uh, there are issues like smearing. You want a child to potty and you have managed to turn your back for a minute. And there we have this issue. And uh, it's once again, it's not naughty. It feels nice to them. It's a sensory thing. But, man, the challenges of children with, with behavioral problems uh, thank goodness for divine intervention. Um, but there was something called play togs that our, our occupational therapist uh, wanted me to go to with James. And basically, they didn't like parents being there. But if you wanted to, or if you insisted on being there, um, you were allowed to be there, but only as a piece of furniture. They described to me that I was to be a chair because the aim of this was to train the child so that they could be in an environment where carers could control them. And um, so they needed to learn to take turns, not to beat each other up, to go toilet in a way that was not um, unwholesome, um, to be able to ask using whatever communication skills they had. In this case, it was going to be picture exchange communication to ask their carer carers if they wanted something to eat or drink or to go party or what have you. Um, and how to basically cooperate and take instruction from carers. So the way they taught these children was the age-old way of training dogs by um, reward and punishment. And, I mean, <laughs> my instinct was, whoa, hell will freeze over before I put my child there and play the chair. There is no way meaning that I wasn't allowed to intervene. I wasn't allowed to give comfort. Um, I wasn't allowed to interact emotionally with my child. I had to be a piece of furniture and leave my child to deal with it. So I said, oh, I don't think so. But then I went away and prayed about it. Lord, am I being wise? This is something that's there and I'm, am I going to need it, etc., etc. And immediately I heard from the Lord, no, 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 no. 
so it was easy for me to turn that particular help down. Um, but then I thought, well, we have this oppositional thing. Now, some of it I can cope with. Number one, the violence. He's, he's, he's aggressive, but he's only little. You know, I could hold him out here and little arms and legs would go for it. And I would just wait until he calmed down, put him down. But um, he was going to grow up. He was going to grow bigger. And that kind of behavior, something was going to have to happen. It was going to need to be curbed or, or healed or dealt with. Also, I had another child in the house who had sensory issues. And so you get someone like James, whose who's every motivation is to upset and annoy. And then you get someone like Timothy, who... Um, is very sensitive. Now, James learned very early on that if he came up behind Tim and dropped something or made a loud noise or slammed a door, uh, that would really distress Tim. Um, and so he would do everything he could to distress Tim or upset me or what have you. And I was like, Lord, I know this behavior is not good and it's not, it's obviously not of you, but I understand that this is part of the, 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 the autism, but autism is a defeated foe and you are healing him. So what I need from you is a strategy. How do I deal with this? He's not going to play tog. So now I've got to find a way of dealing with this every day. And that's where I come into the co-parenting. I needed to co-parent with God. He knew immediately the best way of dealing with this. I needed to know. And so I said, tell me how and give me a strategy. And he did. Praise God, because I heard him, because his sheep hear his voice and he will put something in your heart and give you special perception, that sixth sense, that knowing this is the way to do it. And what we did is we decided to love James by faith, regardless of his behavior. We were only going to speak words of love and encouragement and acceptance, and we were never going to call him naughty or bad we were, you know, he wasn't in a place where I could say, I love you, but I don't like your behavior. He wasn't in the place where that would even mean anything to him. But um, what we would do is then completely ignore and overlook the bad behavior. And um, so Tim, bless his heart, I would pray, Lord, give Tim the skills, help him, Holy Spirit, to be able to do this well when James comes and antagonizes him. I'll give you an example. Tim was just sitting reading one day and James came rushing up and snatched the book out of his hand, ran across the room and threw the book. Now, Tim's response was, after he took a deep breath, is, James, you run so fast. You've got strong legs. You're a good runner. <laughs> James's face was, no, no, you're supposed to be cross in James' language, which was more like, oh, no, 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 no. And um, so Tim would say, I love you. You're my brother. You're so funny. You've got strong legs. You're going to have big legs like me. James would be like, ah, no love, no love. And then same thing, he would come to me and do something. For instance, what if I was just at his face level and I was talking to him and the eye contact bothered him and he decided to give me a slap across the chops? I would not say anything. I would look away and I would just start singing. I love you, Jamie. Oh, yes, I do. And his little face would go red. No love, no love. And I would look surprised and say, but I love you so much. You're my boy and I love you. And Tim loves you and daddy loves you. Well, you know, this went on for a week, two weeks. You must know that I spent a lot of time praying in tongues <laughs> and walking in the spirit. 
But the thing was, is because I was cooperating with, and co-parenting with God and not allowing myself. Let me tell you, don't think I wasn't tempted to get down and smack that child into next week because I was more than once. But I didn't. I would go straight to my fridge, which was telling me love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, kindness. Men ought always to pray, Jesus, help me, because I'm now going to have a flesh flesh very quickly, very soon. But I didn't. And we cooperated with the Holy Spirit and we walked in the spirit and we walked in love and we loved him unconditionally. And we spoke love and blessing over him. And one day he was playing with his trains and I was in the kitchen and I was singing another song. I love you, Jamie Pops. I love you, Jamie Pops. And instead of getting angry, which is his usual response, which I would just ignore and I would just carry on saying, but I love you so much. And then I would not antagonize him, but I would just quietly go away and talk to the wall. Wall, do you know how good James is? James is a good boy. I mean, this child, he's just, he couldn't escape the fact that he was good, he was loved, he was accepted. And one day he was playing with his chains and I heard this little voice, Mamie, good boy, Mamie, good boy, love, Mamie, Mamie, good boy. He started seeing himself the way we showed him that we saw him. James is a good boy. James is loved. And from that moment, I don't know, was it a neural thing? Did some nerves untangle or join up or rearrange? Or was it demonic? Did some demon just go and not be able to stick around any longer? I don't know what happened. But from that moment, James became the most sweet angel little child. And to Tim, he was like a little puppy dog. He would follow him around. Tim was now the role model, the big boy that James wanted to be. And he loved James. He would climb, he, I mean, Tim, he would climb up on his knee and put his little arms around his neck. I mean, this was astonishing. It was a, a switch had been flipped, but it had taken weeks of cooperating and co-parenting with God and not the play togs way. And so I am just telling you now, the world has a solution, but God's way may be quite different. Your Some relatives and friends and people out there may have a solution, but God's way is the only way that impresses and interests us. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Apparently, according to Google, that is in the Bible 365 times. Fear not is mentioned in some form or other. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Fear not. That means once for every day of the year. <laughs> I just love that. That means that fear is not how God relates to us, and it's got nothing to do with God. Fear hath torment. That's what it says. There is no fear in love. God is love. Fear has got nothing to do with him. So two things. Number one, fear of man has a snare. But number two, are we using fear to moderate and to change our children's behavior? Are we using it as, an, as, as a form of punishment to discipline them? Because if we are, that is ungodly, sorry to say. But the day that your child looks at you with fear in his or her eyes is the day that you have stepped out of the spirit 
and gone into the flesh and you need to repent and you need to apologize to your child and you need to ask the Holy Spirit how you could have dealt with that better. And that, <laughs> if you ever watch me again, is something that is not a popular um, observation, but the Lord taught that to me. And I'll tell you, I learned that from experience because one day Tim looked at me with fear in his eyes and God said to me, and where does that come from? Fears not of me. And I tell you what, I was slain. I still go back today and say, you know that time, Tim? And he says, no, I've forgotten it. I said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he says, please stop apologizing. I've forgotten it. But I, I realized then any time that I am making my children afraid by either raising my voice or lifting my hand or in any way showing any gestures, then I am impacting their behavior in a way that is worldly and not godly because God has better strategies and he is willing and able to teach you. And the joy of it is, is that when you do it his way, you bring divine intervention and the supernatural in, which always brings healing. Whereas the other way, you're using fear to curb behaviors, but installs the way it stays. It stays. You're going to be able to modify it by the behavior, but not heal it because you are now working in the natural realm. When we have faith in God, we don't fear our children's behaviors. Are we intimidated by and afraid of our children's behaviors? We need to meditate on faith in God and trusting him no matter what, so that we get to the point where they may be behaving strangely or badly or in a way that is upsetting. But God, so good is he, so great is his power, so great is his mercy, that when we co-parent with him, he intervenes supernaturally to modify and change and heal. So this fear thing has got to be nipped in the bud, whether it's fear of people and their attitude to you, making your children afraid to try and control their behavior, or you being dominated by and afraid of the child's behavior instead of dominated by and and impressed by your faith and trust in God and his power to intervene in that particular situation and heal those behaviors. If you are responding to your children's behavior in faith and trust, you are opening up access for him to intervene and bring healing. And it's my prayer that you will invite God to co-parent with you, that your faith and trust in him will drown out all the other voices of fear, distress, anxiety, and worry, but you can walk in courage and in confidence and in faith, knowing that between you and God, every door is open for divine intervention, for healing, and that your child, whatever these behaviors are, they are not of God, and therefore they cannot stay, they will not stay, and they are history. And I just pray a blessing over you, over your children. And I thank you, Father God, that you co-parent with us and we can do all things through you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, 
please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes we are healed. God bless you.